Do you want to know what it takes to work as a high-performing executive assistant? You'll find out when you listen to the EA Campus podcast. Join me, Nikki Christmas, the founder of Practically Perfect PA and the EA Campus, for a weekly interview with successful assistants who all have first-hand experience and lessons to share on what it takes to excel in the role. Tune in, get inspired, and learn how to create an assistant career where you are valued, motivated, and ready to face every challenge head on. Whether you are an assistant just starting in your career or prepared to move to the next level, building a successful assistant career just got a little easier with the EA Campus podcast. Welcome to episode six of the EA Campus podcast. I'm thrilled to be joined by Abigail Jones, executive assistant at Meta and coach to many assistants over the years. I've had the pleasure of speaking with Abigail in the past and interviewing her for numerous panels and discussions. Abby always brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to these talks and she doesn't disappoint today. We discussed her career, her passions outside of her work, how she likes to work in partnership with her executive, the strengths that she brings to the assistant role and how she protects her boundaries. Please enjoy my discussion with Abigail. I am absolutely delighted today to be joined by the wonderful Abigail Jones, who I know for anybody who follows Practically Perfect PA or other things that we've done on the EA campus is one of our regular contributors. So Abby, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Always delighted to be asked and to take part. No, I love having you on all of the different things that we've done over the years. Your insights are always really valuable. And I know that you will get into all of this, but I know that you mentor and help other assistants. So thank you for joining us today. And I know that we're in for a treat. So thank you so much. Why don't we start with a look back over your career, which I know spans, I'm not going to say how many years, I'm sure you can tell us, but it will be a few years. So why don't you just let us know a little bit about your career to date? Sure. I started my career in the art world. So I was working at some of London's biggest galleries and auction houses. And I started off life as a press, PR and PA, like one of those slash roles. And then I discovered that I liked doing the PA side of things more. And so I moved from the art world into the charity sector because that's quite closely aligned to the art world and then as I got got more experience I was able to get more senior and I worked got more and more corporate so I ended up working in luxury fashion and beauty and travel and finance and I ended up sort of <clears throat> found myself in more senior roles supporting at the C-suite level where I've been for several years now and uh, I'm currently at Meta more specifically Instagram working as the executive business partner to the VP. Wow. So yeah, you've done lots of things over the years. Can you tell us some of the different brands that you've worked with? Anybody that anybody would recognize? I, yeah, the V&A, Tate, Christie's, Sotheby's, L'Oreal, The Body Shop, Amex, GHD, The Hair Straighteners. I know them well, yes. <laughs> of course, Facebook and Instagram. I do try to work for big names because I find it's a little bit more helpful on your CV if you have big brand recognition, but it's not the be all and end all. Your work speaks for itself rather than the name of the brand. But I also live in London, so it's a little bit easier for me to go to, to slightly bigger companies. It definitely helps, doesn't it? You've got that exposure to so many different organisations that are based in London and big cities like that. So you're at Instagram now. I know it's a fairly new role, but can you give us an overview of what your role is like and some of the aspects of the role that you're in now? 
Sure. So at the moment, I'm doing quite a big project on change management, working very closely with my VP, which has a lot of moving parts and is very confidential, so I can't talk too much about it. But that takes up a lot of time. I'm also quite heavily involved in planning the strategy. So once the strategy has been set by our CEO, then figuring out how do we align our vision and our mission to that strategy. And that trickles down to the basic things like, as we all know, calendar, diary management. I do a lot of relationship building. So that's not just with XFM partners, but that's a lot with internal, external communities, including like our admins, providers, vendors. I think relationship building is sort of 80% of what an EA or a PA probably does. We just don't necessarily give it a name. And I also do a lot of coaching and mentoring of EAs and PAs, both in my work, but also in my private life. I just think that's so important. And now that the world is opening up, planning travel, expenses, all that kind of regular stuff as well. <laughs> it sounds like a busy role. And it's very, fairly recent that you've just moved into this role, right? Just a couple of months now, yeah. is that right? So I moved over, for, I was with Facebook for about two, two years, just over two years. And then I've moved over into Instagram now. And I, we were talking about this before we hit record, but the culture is similar. So although a new role, the kind of awareness of the organisation and how it operates, it's not something you've got to relearn, which is good. <laughs> no, as it happens, I interview a lot of admins for roles across Meta. And one of the things to note is that if you've been in tech before, you probably have a little more experience of what to expect when you move into tech. And if you've never worked in tech before, I would say that it's quite a conscious shift in terms of culture and in terms of ways of working. And when I joined Meta, although I'd been working across so many different industries and sectors, I'd never worked in tech. And it was a bit of a jump for me to get used to as it is in any job right but happily this time around moving to Facebook to Instagram I know what I'm in for it's fine (laughs) (laughs) that's definitely as I say in such a busy role it's super helpful that the culture is not something that you've got to pick up on you can just hit the ground running which I'm sure it will be really helpful for you in such a what sounds like going straight into projects that are such high level so I want to come back to that and dig into your career and some of the, particularly around some of the mentoring that you you do with other assistants but before we do all that I'd really like to get a sense of what life is like for you outside of work as well starting with the right at the beginning at the beginning of the day I know you said there that you work in London you live in London but tell us what your morning routine is and what you do before you get into the office I wake up get ready and go straight to the gym first so my gym happens to be 24 7 so as soon as I wake up I can just go which suits me and it's not because I have any strong love of exercise I literally do it to keep myself alive because it's what you need to do to keep your body healthy and to have quiet space in the morning I don't want to get to the end of the day and then feel like I've got to go and lift weights or run like that that to me would be very stressful so I like to just get it out of the way get it done and then I'm usually quite quiet in the morning I'm a really strong introvert so I I just like space and quiet alone time before I have to start interacting for my job yeah I completely understand that it's something that I have to do as well both with exercise and just having some quiet time before I start work and you then you go into performance mode don't you where you're on and you're switched on and things so I completely understand that tell us a little bit about what's happening and what happened with you over the course of the pandemic are you back in the office now or are you working from home how has it been there at Meta? 
so we are the office is open if you wish to be in some folks have decided to be permanently work from home some folks want to be permanently in office and other folks probably like me they're going to do a return just because most of my team is actually based in the states so my working day is significantly busier when they wake up in our afternoon so it's a little bit easier for me to be at home to take those calls that are later on in the night just because I don't want to be commuting and miss something at 6 p.m which is the goal, one of the golden hour times so for me being able to work from home has great flexibility really worked for me it's so true isn't it and I'm so pleased we've got to that point now where that makes so much sense particularly when you if you're working with like the west coast of the states then you know previously so many people have just stayed in the office into the evening and now you don't have to do that it's what a difference that makes to everybody and it makes so much sense I don't know why we weren't doing this years ago yeah, for sure, for sure. So I don't want to be too negative, but I know we all have challenging aspects to the role. So I wonder what are some of the challenges that you find in your role? I think to, uh, to actually link to what we were just talking about, the problem we have, or I have, is that if 90% of my workload comes from America, comes from, say, San Francisco, or I'm dealing with a project that has the bulk of the admins who are also in San Francisco, then obviously we almost have a day's delay right where we can do anything and as much as you can send emails or you can send pings with time delays on them the reality is it's you're not quite working in real time so the hardest part the most challenging thing is working around those time zone restrictions and to do that you really have to manage expectations letting people know I will respond by this I need a response by that here's all the information in the meantime here's a point of contact in your country you can speak to like that is the most challenging part because we all want to move fast we want to be efficient and successful but sometimes time is literally against you like you said it's just about being really communicative isn't it and having that flexibility of when you actually are working and not working and I guess as, as well for you it's that okay I'm going to be working into the evening on this day but it means I'm going to start later on that day so that you're not burning out is that how you find it yeah so I tend to once I've come back from the gym I log on because I want to see what UK is saying and then there'll be a brief period of time in the morning where I can just focus on the UK then straight after that New York wakes up so I catch up with them and then by the time it's the afternoon so I try and take I make sure I try and take a lunch break I make sure that I am being really realistic with the meetings I have that day but also um how many hours because I also think one of the things working from home is it's really easy to have your laptop in front of you 24 7 so if you're happy with that is fine if that is detrimental to you then that is not fine so it's everyone finding their personal balance of what does that look like what does that balance look like for you and what are the most enjoyable aspects of the role that you're in at the moment I absolutely love the autonomy so I've certainly had roles in the past where I felt like I've been micromanaged or you almost need permission to do something very basic in your role, which you could do with your eyes closed, standing on your head. In this current role, my VP absolutely trusts me to be able to get on with things, to do things, to execute and articulate anything that I need or any problems. So I love that sense of autonomy and being able to just progress with things rather than have to wait for someone else's opinion. I like the fact that meta changes all the time. The work environment changes. We pivot really quickly to new challenges there's always things going on I like that fast paced I like things that keeps that keep my brain active and engaged so I like the difference every day I find that quite almost calming quite soothing to see 
how things fluctuate and change and you just you just learn how you take it in your stride and like the priority of yesterday is no longer the priority of tomorrow and I think I also really enjoy the opportunity to be creative we are encouraged to have creative solutions you're encouraged to try new things you don't have to do something just because that's the way we've always done it it's very much try something new see if it works and I think that gives a lot of um freedom in the role to grow your career as well and so that's something else I really like I can imagine for someone like you knowing you for the last few years that's going to be something that keeps you going keeps you motivated because I would imagine that somewhere that's stagnant or somewhere where like you said you're being micromanaged I would imagine your motivation would just dip yeah it doesn't get micromanaging does not get the best out of me and I think you have to be really honest with you have to know your personality type and you have to know your triggers and you also have to know where your strengths are my strength is being left alone to do things I'm very good at that and where I feel despondent and I feel stifled is being overly managed to do things without then in a sort of autonomous without autonomy or without that sense of growth and freedom and excitement about oh I've figured out a new process or I want to try it this way and it sounds like it's not necessarily your VP that has that personality it sounds as well like the culture absolutely supports that I would imagine if there are micromanagers in meta they probably don't last for very long because it's not the culture so as we were saying earlier your career has been varied and you've done lots of different things I wonder if there is and I'm sure there's a few but are there any highlights that you can pick out for us I think there's there's a couple. So one purely from a professional point of view is I've been lucky enough to win several awards for my work, like PA of the Year or Networker of the Year, that kind of thing. And that I think recognition is always good. On a purely practical note, having that kind of thing on your CV is extremely helpful. So that's been one thing. And another thing is I think it's taken me a lot of my career to find what kind of role do I really want to do? What kind of company do I want to work for? What kind of team am I best in? What do I like the most? And what do I not like doing? And that really has taken me years to figure out what suits me and what doesn't suit me. And I wouldn't have known that had I not made errors and mistakes in the past or done the wrong roles. And then the third and final thing I think is I've been privileged enough to work and support and mentor and coach a lot of admins who've also gone on to win their own award. So their success becomes my success, which is amazing. And getting to work with so many different admins from so many different organizations, I think we need to invest in our community. And that's something that's really important to me. What was the thinking behind starting to mentor assistants? Because you're in such a busy role. I know it's important and I absolutely understand that. But you're in such a busy role and you've got a lot going on. I wonder what was the, in the initial days of mentoring, what was the thought process for you there? It was born very much from when I started my career there just there were very there was maybe one network and it wasn't even a network and there was no training there was no formal training for admins there was no networking there was nothing that really drove a career I think those the word secretary was much more commonplace than it is now although of course it does still exist very much in the legal sector but it's certainly not a word that exists in 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 tech and there was just no there was nothing for admins and unless you'd been to secretarial college, there just wasn't anything. And I had often wished that I had 
had the opportunity to either speak to someone or be in a network or have some guidance as a young admin to know if what I was doing was the right thing, if I should have been doing it better or differently, some support. And I, it just didn't exist. So over time, networks did spring up, but there was still that lack of kind of coaching and mentoring. It's really taken off now, but back in the day, it wasn't a thing. And so I decided that I would retrain and get coaching and mentoring qualifications so I could know what I was actually talking about. And then I would exclusively only mentor and coach EAs and PAs because that is my sector. I understand. And I always think you can have a coach from any walk of life. That's completely fine. But isn't it better sometimes if you have a coach who understands fundamentally your job and then you're not explaining it like you are sharing and, and and ideally you want someone who's who just sympathizes or who just gets what you're trying to talk about without you having to give all the backstory of what your role is and all those sort of nuances that make the admin role and I just thought that was something really important so as time's gone on that's just become a priority for me yeah and you're so good at it and I think it's exactly that you've from the answer that you gave us earlier where you made mistakes and you carved out a career sometimes took the wrong role sometimes took the right role the people that you mentor to be able to avoid those things not those step backs and careers that a lot of assistants had I certainly did as well you think you're taking the role for the right reason and then it turns out it wasn't and your confidence dips all of those kind of things to have somebody that can help you move forward in your career like that and avoid some of those pitfalls is so important and I think also just having someone I think it's important that we all need to be open in our careers about this is when I made a mistake, shouldn't have taken this job, this was the right job at the wrong time, or this I handled this situation badly, this is what I've learned from it. In the same way, we need to be more open about pay and about salaries, about all these things. If you have someone that you can talk openly and honestly about, I think that can only be a bonus. I completely agree. So I'm sure this is one of the conversations you've had with many of the people that you've mentored. But I wonder, particularly for assistants who are just starting in their careers, what is the one piece of advice that you would give them for those that are just starting out? All right. So I've got three pieces. Okay. So the first one is you need to drive your own career and you need to be very strategic. I think when most of us start in our careers, we just pick up a job, right? We don't necessarily have a goal plan of where we want to go. And it's only as time goes on that we start to think, maybe I should be a bit more strategic. If you can try and be strategic right from the get-go, think, where do I? what do I definitely love doing? What do I definitely hate doing? Where can I get roles that will play into those? What strengths do I yet have to acquire like we're not born perfect into the working world so um all those kind of things like what are our goals going to be be really strategic right from the and it's also okay to change your mind perfectly fine but if you have some plan because no one else but you can create that plan so don't wait for some company to say oh if you stay with us five years we might give you a bonus that is not enough of a plan You need to be driving your career because the only one that cares about your career is you. So it's on you. The second one is to take risks, but take them mindfully. So it is okay to take the risks with the fear of failure. It is okay to be not sure if this job is really the one. And it is okay to discover that you definitely love something or definitely hate something. 
all the risk you're going to take is fine if you're doing it mindfully. So I'm not advocating that you quit your job tomorrow and then figure out how to get a new job. What I would say is that if something comes your way and you're not sure, be very mindful, weigh up the pros and cons and make that risk and make that leap with the confidence that it's okay to lose and it's okay to fail. It's fine. And the last one is linked, which is be really courageous in setting your own boundaries. So when I was starting as an admin, I didn't really know what I could say no to. I didn't really know if I could say no to doing the personal work, you know, like getting the dry cleaner, hiring the nanny, all those kind of things. You have to decide what you're comfortable doing and you have to decide if the salary you're getting for it is worth it. And you have to decide where your personal boundaries are. So if you can't work after a certain time because you have childcare or you have commitments, or quite frankly, you just don't want to wear that time because you want to go to bed at a reasonable time, what you do need to do is communicate those boundaries and you set them down. So in the same way, you wouldn't phone up your boss at one o'clock in the morning on a Saturday and ask them to get you some milk, for example. They should not be doing that same thing to you unless you're being paid extraordinary amounts of money to do that. And even then, you have that conversation. So be very courageous and confident in creating boundaries for you. And if you need to sit down with a pen and paper and figure out what your boundaries are, you do it that's fine. And actually, I would actively encourage assistants to write their boundaries down because they then they become more tangible, don't they? I think if you've got a piece of paper and if you're not good at sticking to your boundaries and having that piece of paper that you can return to and read and just get it back into your system, then that's going to help you as well. Because I would imagine that you were the same, Abby, but that takes you're not sure when you're starting out in the role what you can and can't say no to and it takes a lot of time but I think exactly as you said from the get-go the the quicker you can get better at setting boundaries the better it will be for your career yeah and you don't want to burn out and you don't want to be miserable I would say that it's taken me years to get to the point of that confidence but if I can if we can bypass that if we can skip hop and skip over those years of that and I can tell you right now hey it is okay to say these things. Do you feel like the younger generation that are coming into the assistant role now are clearer at setting boundaries just in terms of a generational thing? Have you noticed that at all? It's a tough one because you don't want to say all generations are like a different, they're not all one homogenous mass. I hope that they have the confidence, but I also think we can't confuse confidence with arrogance. So Sometimes you need to know what you don't know in order to move ahead. And when you're quite young and you're starting out, you don't know what you don't know. So that is your time to listen and to watch and to learn from the people who have gone before you or who are doing the work or can give you advice. I would not like to be 20 for all the tea in China at the moment I just think that's a lot of I, I can't be bothered to keep up with TikTok for one thing it just seems exhausting <laughs> yes I think it's if I think back to when I first started as an assistant and I was in my early 20s looking at the assistants that were working for the CEOs who were 20 years older than me so my age now you can see the difference you can see the confidence confidence and they were absolutely concrete in their boundaries and they would not cross them and the respect that they had for that that was given to them because of that was something, yes. If I had taken a minute and thought I'll be more like that, 
it would have saved me years. What would you do if you weren't an assistant? I am a qualified art historian and curator. So my degrees are all in art history and curatorial studies. So I would probably be a museum curator or a curator of fashion or a fashion historian, something along those lines, I think. I know that you spend a lot of your time outside of work going to galleries and art shows and things like that. So I can completely see that. It's nice that you've got balance where you're still following something that you're really passionate about. Yeah, I just love it. I love that every exhibition is a new way of learning visually. I love that. I just think that's such a gift we have. Yeah, absolutely. And London's a great place to live, (laughs) to get to get all of that culture, just soak it up. You did say at the beginning, which I think was really interesting, that you there was lots of options for you when you first started out and you realised that you really were interested in being an assistant. That's the thing where you could see your real strength. So I wonder, having looked at your career, is there anything that you're grateful for that being an assistant has brought you? Yeah, on the practical side of things, being an assistant has let me play to my strengths. And my strengths are being very organized I love being a problem solver I like creating solutions and patterns and executing things that usually they usually have an immediate effect so you book the travel the person goes to their meeting right so you can see an immediate cause and effect and that that suits me and I I like that kind of flow so I'm quite good at that I'm grateful that on one hand it's it strengthened those abilities and not everyone can multitask not everyone is good at diary management and not everyone could do this job otherwise everyone would be doing this job and I think also it's helped me be very confident in my choices because I think most admins when you make a decision you're making a backup plan okay I've booked this flight for my boss but I'm pretty sure they're going to be 20 minutes late and miss the flight here's my plan b or here's my plan c or what happens if they don't make the meeting or what happens if this project fails I've li- I like that it helps me create a sort of other ways of doing things and has allowed me to get that confidence in making choice and I'm pretty I'm convinced of this you get confidence by failing and realizing that nothing that bad is going to happen you have to fail a lot in order to get more confident because when things go well that's great but then you don't dwell on it but when things go badly or they don't go as you're expecting you have to then do a little bit of a thrash and find out why didn't this work why isn't this the best thing that I did what went wrong and that is going to give you confidence for the future so being able to take risks and being able to fail and know that everything is actually going to be okay. Even if I lost my job as a failure, even though I, I, that's not happened, but it's still not the worst thing that could ever happen to me. It's a thing that could happen, but it's not the worst thing. It's really interesting that I think there's a lot of assistants who absolutely thrive as well when there are problems to be solved and the office is on fire and you know your desk is up in flames and then suddenly you're at the absolute peak of your performance I would imagine that that's absolutely the case with you and it's then that bleeds into your personal life as well doesn't it when you everyone else is flapping around and things are crashing down it's so often people that I found that work in roles similar to assistants and assistants that are just getting everything done and absolutely thriving in those situations so I think absolutely having that confidence confidence to know when things are failing but you've still got it is an incredible competency to have yeah I like I quite I quite like the odd crisis just because it gives the opportunity to try 
a new way of solving something or a new way of fixing something or a new way of creating a solution and I quite like that challenge I think that's quite interesting in my spare time I'm a weddings registrar so I get to marry people at the weekend right and you would be amazed about the amount of things that could go wrong in a very short space of time and they do not phase me or flap or stress me out because either the couple's going to get married or they're not it's one or the other (laughs) Yeah, but imagine you're such a safe pair of hands. <laughs> when people are like, I don't know whether or not to marry him. You're like, you do or you don't. <laughs> really, it's really, um, and I think if I wasn't an assistant, small things, not small things, but things like that would phase me a lot more. So there is this kind of typical, stereotypical aspect of the role that I think we've all been railing against for decades now. So I wonder how you've gone about challenging the boundaries of the stereotypical assistant role. When we think of stereotypes, I think we, in this role, Hollywood has a lot to blame for. I don't think it's ever had a good role portrayal of an accurate assistant or admin and I also think there's some fallacies that come into play so I think when people who think about this they might assume that everyone is a people pleaser and that everyone is an extrovert and I am neither of those things <laughs> I never will be I'm an extremely strong introvert and I also am not a people pleaser so I'm a creator and I'm a doer and I'm a solver and I'm a fixer but I will not bend over backwards to put someone to raise someone else up while putting myself down that level that kind of people pleasing where it's at a detriment to your mental health or your physical health or whatever it is I don't do that and I think that's the stereotypical I think when I started I tried to be a people pleaser and I can't sustain it for very long and it doesn't make me very happy um and I think I'm much better at working in partnership with the person I support rather than trying to please them in everything because I think that's a really I think it's somewhat toxic a little bit unrealistic as well I don't think that's a healthy working relationship and I think on a practical thing I think challenging assistant stereotypes is I created my own mentoring program my own coaching business and I think It's almost, I think initially I was being told that assistants didn't need or admins didn't need, why would they need coaching or mentoring? And as we all know, in any role, someone might benefit from coaching and mentoring and finding, getting people to understand there is investment in growing your business support, your admin. That's something that happily is changing over time. I think just over the last five years, the difference that there's been, and I think a lot of it obviously is also due to the pandemic, everything is available online now, but there are so many resources that are available to assistants and it's all for the better because it was and it still continues to be a very underserved industry. So yeah, the changes that, as I said, that have just taken place over the last few years are really encouraging for sure. But talking yeah. about the industry, I wonder what changes you would like to see made and further progress taking place? I think we need to see 
a greater step towards gender equality in the role. It's heavily still, I think it's currently standing at something like 98% female dominated role. And you have to wonder why that is. I don't believe that one brain is better than another brain or doing the role. So then you've got to wonder why are more women than men doing the role? And I wonder if that's actually down due to salary or is that down to reputation of the role? I think there's, I think there's a lot of socioeconomic factors that come into play as to why that is the case. So I'd like to see more equality in that. I think we need to reflect on job titles. I'm not sure that assistant is the best descriptor because it doesn't necessarily take into account, first of all, the wide range of the role in itself and what you do as an assistant, but also it doesn't factor in the idea that an assistant in one company can be very different from an assistant. If we're talking about a legal, I'm going to use the phrase legal secretary in your very traditional law firm versus your executive business partner at something like Google, the roles might be quite similar and that you're booking travel, you're doing diary, you're whatever it is you're doing, but we're using different terminology. And I don't think that helps with parity across the job market and therefore impacting salaries. So I think we also need to be seeing a link towards salary parity and increase. Uh, I think that's a big thing. And I think also linked into that is changing of the business titles. I quite like the title executive business partner, executive assistant sometimes, but I think we we could be doing better to create a more inclusive, more well-rounded, applicable title although I know that titles aren't everything but actually when you're applying for a new role and you're looking for a job those recruiters are looking at your job title we can't get away from that no it's really interesting isn't it I wonder I don't know the statistics but I wonder if there are more men working as executive business partners at Microsoft compared as well to assistants working at other tech companies Mm -hmm. industries whatever it happens to be, because that is such a assistant is very much associated with women working in business. It, as you mm-hmm. said, it's 90, 98% women who work in the admin industry. So it'd be interesting to see what the demographic is at Google, because it is a less gender specific role, isn't it? It's um, It just doesn't have the connotations or the stereotypes that come with the word assistant. So I'd be really interested to know that if there are more men that are applying for those roles in Microsoft. It would be interesting to know for sure, because I think absolutely everything you said there is... Maybe Gen Z can take this up for us, but I think it is part of that battle of why do things have to be gendered in the first place in terms of job title or <clears throat> idea of role. And actually, go back to my original point, I do think Hollywood could step up here because I think they've really done some damage to the, to the industry. And... I, I think we need to see an accurate, positive reflection of a assistant that is not a woman working for a man or a woman working for a very stressful woman and is not very basic and very unrealistic and is not as nuanced. And when I think that, that the film Nine to Five. Yes. <laughs> the ima- and it just, the amount of, sort of sexual harassment, and I know it's set in a different time, I understand that, but those are long lasting, impactful visions that people have of that role and we are not going to move away from that until we start getting new impactful portrayals that show the reality yeah or the great example then ends up involved romantically with the boss it's just yeah there's nothing you're absolutely right there are some examples of I guess an understanding a little bit more 
of how the partnership can work but yeah far, they're, they're few and far between absolutely you mentioned this working at Meta and it's something that I do think of when I think about you as an assistant and that's how you think creatively about the role and how you how you do things and operate in your role where you're getting to work on exciting projects or do things that are maybe not the traditional aspects of the role. What advice would you give to assistants who who want to think more creatively about the assistant role? One of the things you can do is to be very directional in how you're approaching this. So let's say you you knew what your skill set was. That's great. So write that down somewhere because that is your core skill set. But it's also realistic to think that there might be skill sets which you are lacking or you haven't had the opportunity to practice or you really don't know much about. And I would start identifying what those are because in your next role, or you might be looking for a new role that requires these things, for example, project management, or you might need some knowledge of HR, or you might need to understand budgets, these kind of things. I would start trying to find creative ways that you can plug those gaps. So if your current company can't offer you any opportunities to shadow or train or learn more, I would be looking for ways in which you can find solutions to these problems. So if you have no project management experience, you really, really, you're pretty sure that's a gap on your CV. You can be taking LinkedIn courses. You can be looking at the various assistant networks to see what offerings they have I think there's ways in which you can seek to grow yourself even if your current job doesn't give you the scope to do it and I think you can be very strategic in thinking about if there's something you really want to do and let's say you really are passionate about a particular project you can just ask if you can be involved or you could lead it or you can suggest it if your company shuts it down and says no that's not an option I would be looking externally for those kind of options can you volunteer or can you network with EAs or admins who do have those opportunities and start to pick their brains about how did you get into this? Where should I start? Because, again, no one else is going to do it for you. You're really lucky if you work with an executive or a manager that really puts your career development and career growth at front and centre of what they do as a manager. But that's so few and far between. I'm sure you've got absolute experience of that. It's rare. Because they're so busy and they're putting their career and their profession first, it's so rare to actually find an executive that's that supportive of you and wants to see you grow and develop and then maybe ultimately go and do something else or work with somebody else. You quite often find with executives, if everything's working, they just want it to stay the same. So you're so right. You have to take control of that aspect of your career, which follows nicely into my next question, which is, can you recommend any events, books, publications, websites? training programs for our assistants and of course you can include yours <laughs> okay well sure of course practically perfect pa there's a huge wide range of resources that i definitely encourage people to start looking at and i think they're all available on your various platforms and so on you could also look at the assistant room has sort of similar ways of information and knowledge for admins i would also keep an eye out on some of the other networks it very much depends on what you're looking for so if you're wanting like professional development and growth or if you just want to know what venues are opening for team bookings you can have a look on linkedin there's some courses that you might like there that are relevant to our role I think also 
trying to find your tribe. Admin is a wide role, lots of different personality types working in different industries. You might need to meet with lots of different admins externally before you find your tribe or the people who are going through what you're going through. And so I'd encourage you to cast your net initially very wide, start networking, start socializing. I would suggest you do get a coach or mentor. I would get one for a defined period of time. You don't want one that goes on forever in a day. You want one that's a certain amount of sessions go in with a solution there's a problem you want to find a solution for so you want to find a new job or you want to practice practice interview technique or you are struggling how to say no to a boss or you've got to work with difficult personalities or you're unsure if you're being working at the best of your ability so pick and obviously I'd say pick me but pick the mentor and coach that is right for you and check they've got qualifications there's a lot of people out there saying who are unqualified who are offering advice and I think try to follow some of the networks and groups on LinkedIn as well start to see what your community is talking about because this will be useful when you want to do things like benchmark your pay if you want to talk about a pay rise or you're looking for a new job you want to know what job opportunities are going out there you want to know what issues are affecting your community so I would suggest that starting to get involved would be a really important step in any admin's career. And just as a follow-up question, because I know you are an introvert and I know for a lot of introverts, networking is a an uncomfortable prospect. So just for those who are introverts or just find networking a little bit scary, is there any advice that you can give? Because it is so important for an assistant. It's so beneficial. So I wonder if there's yeah. any advice you can give. I can tell you what I do, and I'm not saying this is what everyone should do, but you need to know, your limits. So I know that most networking events generally are about two hours long in duration, assuming it's not an all day event. I know that my first 45 minutes at any networking event is my best 45 minutes. <laughs> so that is the time where I network hard. I want to speak to everybody, want to share information, want to see what's going on. Really, that's the biggest impact I make in the first 45 minutes to an hour. Anything after that, I slightly start to get a little bit drained and I'm not as good. So then I'm more likely to go into listening and receiving mode, which is fine because that's when people will get the opportunity to talk to me. But be realistic. If you know that you're not going to be great, go for a chunk of time. Take a break and step outside for five, ten minutes. I, but it is an integral thing. And speaking, communicating to people is really important in our line of work. So also tell people, you can say, I'm, I'm an introvert and if I go a little bit quiet, I'm just recharging my batteries and I'll come back. You can also network online. You can do it virtually. So if the face-to-face is quite draining, you don't have to do that. And if it is an all-day event, like a conference or something, I would say just take regular breaks and just be really honest about it. We all have, we're all different. We all have strengths and weaknesses. And if you can put yourself with an ambivert or an extrovert, they can talk for you. Brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely. I think definitely, again, just over the last two years, the conversation around mental health, but also just different personality types and the way that you operate in the world has become such, it's become so much more open. And I I remember just the other day, I was saying to somebody, everybody just like, you do you, whatever is best for you. Those stigmas have have really fallen, which is a brilliant thing. Yes, that's everything that I've got to ask you for now. But I I know I could talk to you all day, but I know you probably need to go and recharge your batteries. (laughs) And I so appreciate um, your time and your wonderful words of wisdom. So thank you so much. You're so welcome and thank you so much for having me. 
Thank you so much for listening to the EA Campus podcast. We would love for you to take a minute to subscribe to the EA Campus podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you could give us a review, we would so appreciate that too. If you want to check out the show notes, you can do that by going over to the eacampus.com forward slash podcast forward slash episode six, Abigail Jones, and take a look at everything we discussed. You can also find all the links to the resources, articles, and tech that we mentioned during the show. If you want to join the conversation inside the EA Campus community, you will also find all of the information on the EA Campus website. The community continues to grow and we have an amazing group of assistants sharing their careers. We have ongoing events and training for our members and we would love to see ambitious and career-driven assistants join us. Thanks for your time and I hope you tune in again to the next episode of the EA Campus podcast.